Happy Black History Month, everyone. I hope you all are celebrating our beautiful people, culture, music, and history today, this month, and every month. Joining me today on the Cervantes Podcast is my very good friend who I've known for 15 years, Miss Taylor John. Taylor is an international relations, citizenship, and civic engagement major with a focus in global health and policy. And she's a minor in Chinese language studying at Syracuse University, where she's a One Love Campus Ambassador and a One Love Youth Advisory Board. She's the creator of Tay Talks, a lifestyle, wellness, beauty, and travel brand to empower trauma survivors. She's a fellow podcaster like myself with her podcast titled Tay Talks Unapologetically Me, where she leads discussions with people surrounding her life passion of wellness and community to hopefully inspire purpose in others. Taylor, how are you? How are you doing? Hi Cervantes. Uh, first, thank you so much for having me on your platform. Um, this is so awesome and I'm so looking forward to just chatting with you about this topic. Um, first, I wanted to ask you, what made you want to become a One Love Campus Ambassador? Sure. Um, so first, I'll just share a little bit about what One Love is. So One Love is an organization that was founded in memory of Yardley Love. Um, she was a lacrosse player at UVA who was in a abusive relationship. And unfortunately, that relationship resulted in her murder. Um, her parents wanted to, um, as well as her, sibling, her sister and her aunt, wanted to create an organization that promoted healthy love and that shared the 10 signs of an unhealthy relationships and attend signs of healthy relationships. So the organization basically um, created workshops, uh, different educational materials to spread to um, high schoolers, colleges, and actually now we are educating um, elementary school students. Um, wow. So that was is kind of the gist of what One Love is about. Their headquarters are based in Westchester, actually in Bronxville, oh, wow. New York. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, I, for me, One Love came to my school when I was playing lacrosse uh, when I was in high school, and um, we watched Excalation, which is one of the, it's a two-part uh, video or two-day video um, about, uh, kind of, it shapes maybe like the week of Yardley's death, um, and it gives a description of how you can see relationship abuse mentally, physically, also emotionally. And um, from that experience, I just was so invested in One Love and uh, reached out to them uh, in college just to do some work. And then they reached out to me to apply as a campus ambassador and um, again, to um, be on their youth advisory board. Uh, so since I've been here, I've been doing a lot of great work, I'm hosting workshops, educating the community. I'm talking a lot about One Love on my own podcast, but also engaging uh, with others. Um, I did a collab event with Planned Parenthood. So yeah, that's why I started. Um, well, that's about One Love and why I got into it. Um, being a survivor of a, um, a domestic abusive relationship, I, an intimate partner of violence, I wanted to help others. Um, the best way for me along my healing journey has been about education. So not only educating myself about what happened to me, but also educating others so that people are aware but also so that we can prevent these unhealthy behaviors. Um, I truly believe that if I can just talk about this topic to one person and it clicks, then maybe that person will hopefully recognize red signs, right? Red flags in a relationship. Um, so that's why I engage uh, with One Love. Right, I think that's, I think that's beautiful because I think sometimes it's a very, you know, quote unquote, touchy subject, but it's a real thing. You know, it's not just, you know, white women in Hollywood. It's, you know, it could happen to anyone, men absolutely. too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it could happen to men. It can happen to women. Um, it can happen in a, to the transgender community, right? right. It doesn't matter what race you are, it can happen to an Indian woman. Um, right. It doesn't matter what you know, your, your gender is, what your sexual preference is, what your religion is. It can happen to anyone and it can happen anywhere. And I think that's the, the thing to remember because 
in movies and TV shows, right? We see it um, in a dark alley with a stranger, right? Walking home alone. We see it mostly happening to y- women, um, young women. Right. But that's not true. In my case, it was actually with someone who I knew, someone who I trusted, someone who I felt close to, and it didn't happen in a dark alley. It happened in my home, um, you know, in, in my in my dorm. So thinking about and in a space for me that was my safe space, right? Whereas in TV shows, it's not like that. It's it's right. It's oftentimes like, oh, this is like a scary stranger man that I've never met, that a, a woman's never met, and then the woman is like attacked and then it's like we never hear from the unknown like no it could be a husband and a wife boyfriend and girlfriend you know a friend I feel like oftentimes when traumatic things happen um when it comes to stuff like that it's oftentimes somebody that you know right absolutely you know and that takes advantage of you so I think I think that's important to realize what made you feel what made you feel so confident in sharing your story um, so I actually, uh, didn't really disclose my story officially, Okay. Um, mainly because I, I have seen the way college campuses have handled these type of cases. Um, I also wanted to protect the organizations that I'm involved in. I do sit on a lot of leadership positions, um, here in my community. And so I was very worried at first in regards to that, but when I later decided to disclose, and my story is actually kind of unique. Um, I didn't realize I was in the abuse um, relationship until I was removed from it. Um, wow. Which is actually a very common thing. When you are in a relationship, you do miss a lot of the signs. Um, and so I didn't know. Uh, and something, an incident occurred, and that incident made me realize, like, I had an oh shoot moment, like, whoa. Um, and then since then, I probably disclosed to um, you know a few people. Uh, but once I started my podcast and I started talking about this uh, topic, I realized how much I was, um, how many people I was touching. I, when Love had asked me uh, in November for Domestic Violence Awareness Month to share my survivor story. And this was the first time I shared my story completely um, to the public. And that experience when people, we did a host of a Q&A right after, there wow. were young students who were asking me questions, who felt so inspired, who didn't realize these things that they also experienced. And I was like, yeah, this is my calling. This is what I'm, I'm called to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, so from that initial disclosure, I think that's what made me want to share it more. I definitely have been a lot more open with my, um, my experience. Um, I was hesitant to share too because I didn't want my parents finding out over social media, um, but I recently disclosed to both of them. So I'm now more comfortable with sharing that and having my story out there to help others. But yeah, and, uh, it's it's a real beautiful thing when you know that your message um, is helping people is helping people has resonated with someone or even just people asking questions um, have been like a great experience for me. That's so awesome. I think, you know, it takes, I really commend you. I'm proud of you because it doesn't, that's not easy to talk about. You know, that's yeah. not an easy subject, <laughs> especially if you're black. Yeah, absolutely. I you think, know? yeah, being black, and sharing this, um, the t- statistics are actually crazy. Uh, for Black women, you're 40%, you have a, a 40% chance, like higher chance of being a victim of this kind of abuse than your white counterparts. Um, one in three women already um, will experience sexual violence, but if you're Black, that number just gets even It greater. goes up. Wow. Right? Okay. Um, and then also age plays um, a factor, uh, just looking college campuses, um, college age women. But yeah, being black and, and addressing this topic, I think has probably been one of the coolest things because I'm learning more about black women in this field or topic, but right. it is, definitely challenging. I think that's why I initially was afraid to disclose because as a black woman, you're painted as someone who's strong, right? We're supposed to hold everybody else up. We're supposed to, you know, 
support our family, support our friends, support the black men in our lives. Like that's what society teaches us, but then who's supporting us? Um, who holds your hand? Who, holds, who right. <laughs> yeah, who takes exactly. care of you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, you know, as you know, I'm Caribbean and even just talking about <laughs> it's a whole other animal it's a whole other thing in our culture like it's and I that was initially why I was afraid to disclose to my mom um was because of that and my parents have done everything in their power right to prevent me from experiencing this type of violence and I I remember when I first disclosed with my dad um back in the fall he he was hurt one that I kept it in so long um but also hurt that like was there anything I could have done and there's nothing right but as a I do think something that we can do as a black community as a community of color as the Caribbean community is have these conversations have these conversations about wellness mental health violence and abuse right educate ourselves um, but normalize the conversation because it's very real and statistics show us that right this happens way too often than we'd like to. And I do believe that it can be preventative if we talk about it, if we educate ourselves, if we address it, but if we keep ignoring the elephant in the room, one, that's not healthy for survivors. Um, and two, that's not building a foundation of trust and love in a family. Like in my own personal eyes, I really do think that we have to have these conversations with friends and peers. Like we can't, Right. You cannot talk about it. It's like, it's like ignoring race. Like you can't just yes. ignore race. Like racism exists. You know, violence, abuse exists. It's the same thing. In multiple, it doesn't have to just be um. Like it doesn't. Have, it doesn't have to just be like murder or right. like robbery. Like yeah. there's, you know, it's violence can occur in many different ways. Police brutality. Right. Exactly. Race. So exactly. different. And it's not even just physical, and that's something that I'm working to uh, digest right now with uh, TikToks, is that abuse is not just physical and sexual. It's also mental and emotional, and I was a victim of that. You know, um, I was a victim of narcissistic abuse, um, emotional abuse, gaslighting, manipulation, guilting, coercive control, and that abuse is what turned into the sexual abuse, right? So even talking about that correlation and how in society, when we think of violence, when we think of abuse, we naturally think physical, right? Like you said, police brutality, rape, um, gender-based violence, right? Uh, Gang rape, murder, shootings. But there's also uh, emotional and, and mental component, even as young black kids right now, right? When you watch the news, that's trauma, that's traumatic watching another kid that's your age being gunned down by police. Over and over and over over again, again. right? We just celebrated Trayvon Martin's birthday, right? He would have been 26 years old. 26 years old. And that's scary because we are 20. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? Just thinking about that, right? Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, like, again, watching the news is traumatic enough. And, And yes, we may not be we don't know this kid, right? Like I didn't know Trayvon, I didn't know Tamir Rice, but Tamir's death is what like evoked my my awakening, you know? It, okay, it, it was that, that one was, for you. That was, yeah, that was my the death for me that I was like, I don't know this kid, but why am I feeling like this was my brother, right? right. And, and why do I, I feel so much pain in my chest? But that is that emotional component. Right. And I think that um, it, it like, if you feel, if you've experienced some type of trauma and you don't want to see trauma or talk about trauma, it makes sense why you don't. Mm-hmm. I get that intention. But at the same time, in order for us to grow with anything, we have to talk about things that are hard, you know? Like, so how can we become a better country or, or world if we don't, you know, speak about and try to, dismantle systematic racism sexism like certain you know domestic violence you know like if we don't if we don't talk about these hard things how will it ever change or get better yeah absolutely my biggest quote that i used to say in high school when i was doing a lot of social justice um you know activism 
things on the campus, I would say you have to get um, comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? So these discussions are hard. Talking about race is hard, but once you break down that wall, you unleash so many different layers. So with trauma, I, I get it. Believe me, I'm someone who, I don't express my feelings. I don't like talking about my feelings. I have a very hard time in general connecting with my feelings. Right. And something I've worked on um, in, in therapy is that. And I think if you are a trauma survivor, if you are experiencing, you know, hardship right now, there are resources available. So um, with domestic violence, National Domestic Violence Hotline is available, uh, resources like RAIN, Planned Parenthood, Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. There are people that are there. And, you know, you can seek counseling if you're at a university, if you're in a high school. Um, a lot of universities do specialize in trauma training um, and survivor support. So you have that. Um, it, it is again, acknowledging that trauma is very hard to talk about. And, you know, you'll know when you're ready to talk about it. But the conversation too that comes up now is healing your inner child, right? So a lot of us end up actually having childhood trauma that we don't realize that affects us later. I can speak for that, um, you know, for myself in terms of emotional, I don't process my feelings and I don't share what's going on with my parents because when I was younger, we didn't do that all the time. Right. And, and my parents yeah, <laughs> working, you know, they were always at work and it wasn't, I don't know, it, it was expected of me to always do well in school. So when I did well, it was just like, whatever. Um, but now as I'm older, you didn't do well, it's like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> right. And I had friends who like, they would get an A and they'd tell their parents and everyone would be so great. I tell my parents, they'd be like, oh, that's great. Like you should be doing this all the time. Right. Um, and I look at it now, we had a discussion with my family uh, before I left and they're like, we really want you to like be comfortable with <laughs> you sharing what's going on with you at school. Like, especially things like this. Like, again, I, I didn't tell my parents for seven months, you know, didn't tell my mom for almost a year and just being more open um, with things. And I just think, yeah, it's, it's definitely important to talk it out. I believe in talk therapy. So talking things out, talking with your friends. Um, but there's also other ways to heal your trauma. Um, physically, you can go for walks, exercise. Um, for me, I used to do yoga a lot, so I picked that back up. Um, it's oh, been a part of my healing journey. Um, also education, like I said, but having a routine even helps. So there's a lot of different ways, but yeah, we definitely have to acknowledge this for sure. Right, I completely agree. And on your um, Tate Talks Instagram, you listed signs of a healthy relationship. Could you break down, you know, being that we just um, spoke about, you know, domestic violence in a relationship, what are signs of like the opposite of that? You know, what should be occurring in a romantic, you know, or even friend um, relationship? Signs, uh, with healthy signs, we'll go, I'll do that one first. Okay. Um, with healthy signs, you want things that bring out the best in you and make you feel good about yourself, right? So um, a comfortable pace, um, trust, independence. Uh, independence is my favorite one because I think people often forget about that. I'm someone that's very independent and I like my alone time and I like to do what I like. <laughs> so you can't be with someone that's like super like on top of you in terms of like a clingy way? Yeah, it's you know? a lot for me. Um, I, I like to be able to breathe in the um it's ironic enough because my uh love language is quality time uh but to a certain extent like right there's levels to it <laughs> levels, yeah so independence is really great respect um kindness healthy conflict so this is a great one and something that i'm learning right now being able to talk to someone um and express something like i'm trying to think of an example uh So say you, you know, you're setting your boundaries and okay. you set your boundaries, but then something happens and that made you feel uncomfortable, right? So being able to express that you were uncomfortable and that person being able to respect that is extremely important. Instead, what would be something that would be unhealthy is you set the boundary, 
the boundary was broken, which does happen sometimes, right? The boundary right. was broken. Um, and that could be something, let's use touch as an example. You don't like to be touched X, Y, and Z. Maybe by accident, maybe it was intentional, you were touched there, right? You, that, however that made you feel, you express that to that person. But that person responds with, you're being dramatic, you're being extra, like, I don't understand why I can't touch you, blah, 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 blah. That is gaslighting. Um, and that is an unhealthy sign. Um, so there's, so yeah, so that's an example with that. I'm taking responsibility. This is uh, one of my favorite ones. So it's actually funny, like it's not really funny, but I laugh at it because <laughs> now being involved in, with someone that does display healthy signs and, and seeing the past, um, taking responsibility was something that the previous person never did, but this current person does. And, you know, if something made me, I'll give an example, last week, my feelings were hurt and I expressed that and uh, automatically it was, wow, like I, I realized how that upset you and I'm extremely sorry about it. Like, I definitely understand, like maybe we can try this instead, right? Like I understand how that made you feel disrespected. Okay. Um, so letting the person know that like, okay, I acknowledge it. Let me try not to do that again. I respect you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's really important. At least for me, I like to feel validated. So if I'm expressing my feelings and you just say, oh, I'm sorry, that to me sounds like you don't actually care. You're not listening. You're just saying sorry. And that's what happened with my previous um, relationship. It was a lot of gaslighting manipulation and saying sorry, but no action. Because true and a true apology is changed behavior. So if you just keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really help. You know, right. my parents always used to tell me, always used to tell me that like, you know, just because you say you're sorry, doesn't mean that the person has to um, believe your apology or makes, it doesn't make your apology um, valid. So right. I think that's important. Right. And then I do want to just share a little bit of the unhealthy um, signs, uh, but just want to acknowledge too that a relationship is not just uh, with an intimate partner. It, like you said earlier, it can be with friends, teammates, um, family members. Uh, it could be with your classmates, group settings, uh, with your professors or teachers, even um, coaches. So it goes beyond that. So um, Again, everyone will do something unhealthy, right? But we can all learn to love better by recognizing the unhealthy signs and shifting towards healthy behaviors. Um, so if you do see these signs, it's important to not ignore them and understand that they can escalate to abuse. And uh, this is my favorite thing. And I, I really, 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 if I could give one piece of advice to folks who are experiencing this, uh, situation, trust your gut. Uh, mm -hmm. Your body knows more than your mind does at the time. Your mind ends up playing tricks on you, but your body will know if you're in a dangerous situation or if you're uncomfortable. Um, I did share on my podcast for me, my initial body reaction when I was experiencing the sexual violence at the time, I bled. And I bled for two weeks, almost two weeks straight. Wow. That was my body telling me that something bad had just happened. And it didn't like wow. that. Right. So um, I used but to in, have, the, in the process or like when that incident occurred, your mind was maybe, was it like saying? Yeah, so my mind actually, so my trauma response um, was a freeze response. So my, I actually didn't react. Um, kind of wow. laid there, um, frozen. And uh, I remember in my head, I was just like begging for this to be over. Because um, it's but, fight, flight, and freeze. There's a, there's fall. a, there's a, there's four now, um, fawn. So okay. fawn response um, is, let me try to think of like an example. Um, so fight is attack. Flight is running from, freeze is staying still or hiding, and fawn is like when you want to make peace or 
befriend that person. So I did have a fond response to later. Um, I remember I had texted the person, I think, and I was like, hey, like, really sorry. I don't know what happened, but like my body just froze. And I, I don't know, like, I guess I was uncomfortable. Like that was my fond response. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I've never, I've never heard that before. That's really interesting. Yeah. Fawn is a new, um, fairly new um, okay. practitioners uh, use this now um, because it's common, especially after abuse. Uh, it, it's a cycle. So you end up actually having a fawn response more than you think. Um, when something is bad, uh, the brain tells you and the manipulation will tell you like, okay, it's your fault. So you need to go make up with that person. So like, I can give you an example. My friends and I, I had a disagreement with a friend. Like, I remember this so clearly in high, maybe end of eighth grade, never spoke to her until like sophomore year. Um, and we decided to make up, like wow. that's a response, right? Okay. A fond response is, you know, you're in something that is I hate using the word toxic but you're in something that's super unhealthy it's toxic and you you know it's toxic they know it's toxic but you just need that person right but the reason why you need that person is because of the other unhealthy signs the guilting the manipulation the gaslighting so you no longer have control over your mind okay so we have intensity is when someone expresses very extreme feelings and over the top behavior that feel, feels overwhelming. So this can be saying, I love you in the first three weeks of your- um, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, manipulation, when someone tries to control your decisions, actions, or emotions. Sabotage, when someone purposely ruins your reputation, achievements, or success. Sabotage is actually kind of the reason why, um, one of the reasons why a lot of, um, survivors and victims don't share their um, survivor story. Uh, that's part of the reason why I haven't shared it publicly um, is because my perpetrator is someone who would sabotage my reputation. Um, so yeah, that's another uh, reason. Um, guilting when someone makes you feel responsible for their actions and makes you feel like it's your job to keep them happy. Deflecting responsibility when someone repeatedly makes excuses for their unhealthy behavior. So this could be like, oh, well, in third grade, this girl broke my heart and that's why I do this. Or, well, I had an abusive father and this is why I do this. Well, you need to heal. <laughs> yes, yes. Like real talk. Um, because your, what you experienced, and I'm sorry that you had an abusive you know, parent, but now you are in control of your life. You have to be able to heal yourself so that you're not projecting that trauma onto someone else and now and now causing trauma for them and so that's why healing I believe is so important um because it, it really does affect your life trauma can affect you post relationship post abuse um possessiveness is when someone is jealous to a point where they try to control who you spend time with and what you do um this could also include friends um Yes, if your friends don't want you to hang out with certain friends um, and not because like, hey, I, these friends that you hang out with are not good for you. You know, they're forcing you to drink every day. If your friend is telling you that they're being a good friend by making sure that you're not getting alcohol poisoning. Right. Right. If you have a friend who's like, oh, I don't think you should hang out with her because you know, she's not cool. You should only hang out with me. That's possessive. Um, if you have a um, partner who maybe is insecure, and I say insecure because that's, that's what it is, it's insecurities, that you have friends of the opposite sex. Yes. Right? yes. So that's my case. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I've always been like this since I was little. I have a lot of guy friends. I just connect better with boys and for young men now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. And some men feel like, oh, like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want my girl to speak to other men. Yeah. And that was the case um, for me. And I was like, well, that's your problem because these are my brothers and they more than anything, I feel safe with them. So no, 
you know, but what did you hear? Like they, there are a lot of men who do have this insecurity. And I would say there are a lot of women also, um, that do have, have those insecurities. I, I know them. Um, right. and I'm always that it, when I look at my guy friends who are dating, I'm always that girl that the girl that they're dating, who they're like, the girl's like, oh, I don't know. Like, are you guys really just like her? Right. So there's that. Um, isolation is when someone keeps you away from friends, family, or other people. Um, so same thing. Possessiveness and isolation kind of work together. Belittling is when someone does and says things to make you feel bad about yourself. So this could be... Yeah. yeah, this is the emotional mental abuse. So this could be like, oh, you're so insecure. I don't know why you're wearing that. Or um, I think honestly, for me, the best way I could describe it is like commenting on someone's body or physical appearance. Um, especially, I think this is, we see this a lot in cases where the person A has maybe a mental um, disability um, or physical disability. So the perpetrator might use that against them. So if it's like a lisp or maybe they have OCD or they have PTSD or um, maybe they've had to have like facial um, reconstructive surgery or something, right? That doesn't make them seem normal. And I put quotes on normal because what really is normal? Um, so that is something that I think is, is seen a lot. Um, and then volatility is when someone has a really strong, unpredictable reaction that makes you feel scared, confused, or intimidated. Um, so a lot of times this could be escalated into like shouting, um, and then physical, uh, abuse. Um, and then betrayal is when someone is disloyal or acts in an intentionally dishonest way. I think we covered. So those are all the signs of unhealthy. Yes, and there's definitely more signs that I didn't address. There's so many, but those are one loves 10 signs that they simplify. Um, there's jealousy, gaslighting, like I mentioned. Um, in an unhealthy relationship. relationship yeah. yeah, I think that was so, I think that was, I hope, you know, my listeners and anyone watching, I hope that, you know, they learn something from that because I think a lot of times we don't, you know, there's no, there's no class on love. I feel like, you know, <laughs> there's couples therapy, you know, but not everyone can afford that and everyone goes to that. So I think, you know, one love and what you're doing and what many other people in the world are doing, educating people on sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic abuse. Um, I think that's so important because we don't, we don't talk about this enough. And oftentimes people think like, oh, like that's my girlfriend, like she can't hurt me or whatever or like, we'll just get through it. Or like, all relationships are like this. Like, no, <laughs> a good, healthy relationship should not be toxic, unhealthy. You should not and be raising your voice, throwing things, hurting each other. You know? Absolutely. And I, I will say this, that we all deserve um, healthy love and good love. Um, and it's so important to understand that. And, and I stand with other survivors who maybe feel hesitant um in getting back into a relationship or or feeling like wow I really deserve this I definitely have experienced this over the past couple of weeks um like oh my gosh why is this person being so kind like do I really deserve this and you do um we all do we deserve good love we deserve things that make us feel good that there's no stress in the relationship in terms of like you will always feel stress like whether it's nerves whether it's you know financial stress if you live together whatever it me you know it is but it shouldn't stress you out so much that you're scared right it should stress it should be i call it a good stress like stress right. bills and like that is okay like that's a normal thing that you will experience in a relationship stressing over borrowing your friend's clothes, right? Want, stressing over wanting to be a good father or a mother. Right, right. Like that's, student, like, you know. right. that's a normal, healthy stress. I mean, it, it could get unhealthy to a certain a point, right? But if you're having to stress over, you know, 
oh gosh, what is this person going to think or say about me? Or I can't tell him this because he's going to react this way or she's going to react with this way or they're, they're going to react this way. That's an unhealthy, you know, behavior. And we deserve goodness. We deserve to feel loved and special and, and get flowers and, and <laughs> held at night and you go movie nights with your gal pals, right? With your play basketball with your girlfriends or go bowling with the group. Like we deserve all that goodness. Life doesn't have to be um, unfair all the time. Like life is unfair and life is hard at times, but I does, it doesn't mean that, you know, we deserve to walk around melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like it's mm-hmm. find the good, <laughs> find the good. Um, in an episode with Peace of Mind on Facebook Watch with Taraji P. Henson and her um, close friend, Tracy Jade, she sat down with um, therapist Melody Murray to discuss PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. In the episode, it was revealed that according to the American Psych- Psychological Association, only one in three Black or African-American adults who need mental, mental care actually receive it. So I wanted to ask you, why do you think some of the Black community doesn't take mental health seriously at times? Where do you think that stems from? Yeah, so um, first of all, PTSD is something that is extremely um, common in the Black community. Um, I experienced PTSD twice. So um, I had initially from my traumatic car accident. Um, I couldn't sleep. And um, I used to have nightmares fear driving, um, the honking of the horn, actually. Were you super little? Sorry, say again? Were you super little, like, when that happened? My accident actually happened. I was one that was driving, um, and actually happened uh, three years ago. Wow, okay. So, um, yeah, so I say this to say that it is something that's very common, Um, and then I had PTSD about my assault, so I still have it. Um, I do think that in the black community, we probably don't take as a whole as society, we don't take this seriously enough because again, black people are painted as to be this strong-willed, strong-minded um, you know, force. We've, we've accomplished racism in the, in the sense where we don't let race and racial issues break us down, right? Mm-hmm. But they do break us down, right? There's- right. Okay? Times that I've cried, times that I've, you know, had to fight for my voice to be heard in high school. And it was tiring. It's exhausting being Black. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't change being Black. Of course, um, yes. So I think that, yeah, in, in the Black community, like I said earlier, it's just something that we, same thing with health <laughs> in general. <laughs> right. We're like superheroes. And we are, we're, we are superheroes for right, sure. But it's okay to take the cape off. it's okay to go check yourself right it's okay to say that you need help it's okay to say that you're struggling it's okay to say that you know you're not okay like it's as simple as that it's okay because I think you know a lot of times that happens with black women like you said before black women are perceived as you know the strong black women they can take on anything um but then who takes care of them And when do they get the love that they deserve, you know? And then, you know, when they decide to want better for themselves or they're open about their sexuality or they, you know, "Mm, let me date somebody of another race. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, she's a sellout. She's a traitor. Then with black men, it's like, oh, if he's open and emotional, that's that's too feminine. That Mm -hmm. he needs to stay in his lane and be a man, whatever that means, (laughs) you know? Yeah, like society constructs the black man to be tough, right? To be, to not have emotion, to not, uh, you know, care. Um, And I'm very grateful that I grew up with a father and I grew up with black men around me who were very comfortable being free and expressing themselves. Um, My dad is someone who tells me all the time, it's okay to cry. Like, why why don't you want to cry? You know, and, and we talk about feelings and we address those things. And I look at my guy friends who, you know, we talk about depression. We talk about being depressed in college. Like that is so real, right? We talk about, you know, fear of failure, um, fear, fear of not graduating. 
Um, and those all things are components of mental health, right? Imposter syndrome, um, all those kinds of things. Uh, so yeah, I do think our generation is definitely changing this narrative and taking mental health more seriously. Um, I feel like we're the generation that's like, hey, if we don't feel like going to class today, we're not going to class and we're not going to work because we are just unwell. Like I, I do see that a lot. I mean, I could say that for myself. I've definitely taken a couple mental health days. Um, to make That's implemented in the school calendar. Absolutely. Like uh, my school just said that we're doing wellness days and we have two days this semester, but that's only because we're not having spring break. And I thought about this and I was like, you know what? We should be having wellness days. Regardless of spring break or break. Regardless of a break or anything. Yeah. And I used to, when I was younger, I had a friend who um, we used to carpool together and she would take mental health days and even my cousins. And oh. I said, oh my gosh, like, why are they taking mental health days from school? Like, they're so lazy. You know, <laughs> Well, and I love school, so I never took mental health day. But I used to always like make fun of them. And now that I'm older and I'm adult, I see the benefit of that mental health day. And I take <laughs> like, I take my mental health day. Like I'll text them, like guess what I'm doing right now? I'm taking my mental health day. Um, nice. And it, I do think it's so important because one, your brain needs to relax. You cannot be on um, high function twenty four seven. You can't. Yeah. And your, your brain needs that downtime, right? But also if you struggle with anxiety like myself, it can be overwhelming. Um, it can be very stressful. Um, new environment, especially if you're moving. Um, COVID-19 is definitely something that I think has taken a, a toll on everyone's mental health. Um, not being able to engage with people, seeing family members. Right. This pandemic has hurt a lot of us. Right. People are sick. It's scary. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a lot of combination between ego and social construct within our community in terms of why we don't take mental health seriously. But I do believe that our generation, the youth, they're really we're, we're going to change that narrative for sure. I can see it happening already. Right. And like, shout out to, shout out to all the black people on social media and off social media that openly discuss about yeah. self-care, awesome. mental health, you know, red table talk. I feel like they're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind with Taraji. Um, I'm like blinking on Nate on people, but <laughs> there's so many people that, you know, are very vocal about it. And I just, I think that's important. I think like you said, our generation, we're, we're different than some of the other ones that before us. <laughs> we're, we're flipping the script, we're changing the narrative. So I think, yeah, I agree with that. Did your family and friends gr growing up take mental health seriously? I know you spoke on that a little bit, but. Yeah, um, I would say for the most part, we definitely did. Um, my dad's in social work, so oh, okay. my mom is in the medical field. So between the two of them in the fields that they're in, I feel like it's almost natural that we um, spoke about mental health. Uh, my dad more so um, expressing feelings. My mom is not an expressive person in terms of feelings, and like what's going on. Like she'll keep things bottled inside like me. That's where I learned it from. Um, but okay. my dad is someone who uh, definitely addressed this topic a lot. Um, in terms of my friends, same thing. I went to, you know, and this is something where I think we also uh, struggle with in the black community thinking like oh mental health is just like some white people thing right like that's oh my god yes and going yeah. to a predominantly white school and living in a predominantly white neighborhood and having pretty much only white friends when they would complain about being so stressed out or having anxiety or things of that nature and I would I would go and tell cousins or tell people and they'd be like oh my gosh like cut the white BS out, you know? <laughs> and, and, no. and that was real like experience. But now as an adult, as I've experienced some of these things, I'm like, no, mental health is very real. And we, we do experience it in the black community. It's not just some white girl. <laughs> right. And for those who think that, you know, we're just over-exaggerating, I wanted to bring up the statistic. In the 1990s, a public opinion poll found that 63% of African-Americans believed depression was a personal weakness and only 31% believed it was a health problem. So that means the majority of people um, 
uh, in our community believed that it was <laughs> just, you know, it's not that serious. And I think that, um, yes, certain communities, you know, white people do have, especially, you know, well-off white people have access to therapy and counseling, which can be very expensive. You know, sometimes our community, we're dealing with financial struggles, so we don't have the time to go to a therapist, but we should still make that effort, you know, when we do have the money or when we do have the time. Yeah, so absolutely. And I, I do want to say right that. problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to say that therapy does not just have to be a financial burden. Um, there are free resources. Um, there are a bunch of influencers also that um, you know, will host maybe, or therapists that will host a 30 minute free Zoom, right? Um, and Therapy for Black Girls is a great resource um, to search if you are looking uh, for therapy for listeners. Also Clinicians of Color is a directory of um, therapists all across, uh, I believe it's New York State. I, I do think they're expanding. Um, so don't quote me on that, but it's a great platform if you do want to seek counseling services, but you do have a financial burden. Maybe you're most of the time insurance doesn't cover therapy. Um, like I said before, uh, if you are in university, your school, um, most of the time they do have counseling services and it's included within your tuition. Um, so right. so like Hofstra, I know, I believe that they give us 25 th uh, free sessions. Does your school do something like that too? Um, our sessions are 100%. We don't have a limit of how many. Oh, see, okay. So um, Hofstra, we need to get on that Syracuse wave because <laughs> that's that's important. You know, sometimes college students, we're dealing with so much and college is very go, 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 go. You know, like you're, you're on to the next. And I feel like, and we're away from our parents. You know, I'm only 45 minutes away, but <laughs> you know, I think it's important to at least have a third party person to talk to. Yeah, um, it's not going to fix the entire problem, but I think it's a step in the right direction, like you said before. Yeah, even if you're in school, um, if you're in high school, your counselor, your advisor, um, universities, your dean of students, um, that's what they're there for. Uh, if you have a um, chaplain at your school, uh, they're also a great resource. Um, all these three people are bound by confidentiality, so it's the same in respect to a, a therapist. So they can't disclose what what you are talking about to anybody else um, without your consent. So just thinking about those things, there are so many different resources. So I don't want folks to think that um, you can't access therapy or can't access um, resources because it's not free. Um, Planned Parenthood um, doesn't offer therapy, but they do have resources uh, that they can connect you with that you know, might be in uh, limits and guidelines. So just, uh, I serve as an intern uh, at Planned Parenthood, so I know all this, but yeah. So mm -hmm. there there are resources there. So people have options. You don't have to, yeah. okay. I think that, okay, that's important. I didn't know that. Have you been to therapy? And if so, were you afraid to go? Yeah, so I have been to therapy. Um, I initially saw a counselor on my own um, as in middle school. Uh, fifth grade after my grandfather died um his death took a huge toll on me and I was just very emotionally unwell um that experience though was uh, unhelpful um because the therapist thought that I was being abused and called my mom and was asking a series of questions and this is where I think is a problem with a few therapists um culturally uh and culturally incompetent yes yeah competence and this woman specifically um she does work at or did work i have no idea now at my former school and you would project her own um ideas onto patients and students and actually would make it a lot worse so i never saw her again and my mom was initially upset that i went to her because of the whole like don't spread your business out to everyone no one needs to know this keep it but, in the house yes <laughs> But I think that what later I realized it was her, she wanted me to talk to her, you know? Mm. Um, so I did try that in um, fifth grade. I, I don't know if I was nervous or not. I can't really remember. I never went again. Um, and I don't really feel like that was a real therapy experience because she wasn't a licensed therapist. 
Um, so, <laughs> okay. Um, right. In college, my first year um, after my accident, I I just went to go talk to counselor. I was dealing with uh, death in the family, um, a series of death I just grew up with, everyone dying around me. So that was one issue. And then it was this trauma from the accident. Um, and that, I, I wasn't afraid to go because I, I asked friends, I asked a really good friend who's been my mentor, um, what, how was her therapy experience? And she, the one piece of advice she gave me, she was like, therapy is only going to work if you're true and honest about what's going on. Mm. If you're unable to be true and honest, then it's, you're not going to gain anything out of it. And I took that experience, that, that advice and, you know, brought it into my therapy sessions. And I definitely, um, was very true and honest. We focused on grief and we focused on trauma from my accident. And since then, those things haven't affected me the way they affected me before. Um, I definitely healed from those situations. Um, recently, I, you know, because of this new trauma, I've seen a therapist. Uh, I've also did group therapy. Um, oh, okay. How did that go? Good. Sexual violence group therapy. So um, that actually was something I was very nervous for opening up and sharing my vulnerabilities with others. Um, was okay. kind of, yeah, that's very specific. That's not just broad. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole um, group therapy session, we only addressed. I mean, we did, if like, there was other things that came up, like there was um, a death on our campus community that we did, you know, use one of those sessions to talk about that. But um, for the most part, your, that group therapy topic is focused on the, um, relationship abuse and sexual violence that uh, you experience. So we talked about things like negative thoughts, disclosure. Um, we talked about life after the trauma. Um, we talked about uh, contacting, um, wow. setting boundaries, um, a lot of different things. So uh, that was definitely pretty cool to experience. Um, and then a new therapy I'm trying is called EMDR therapy. Um, and that is pretty, um, something that I'm looking forward to talking about. Um, EMDR therapy is, um, uh, is, uh, eye movement, um, desensitization, um, therapy, uh, and basically, um, and re sorry, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, and it's a form of therapy that, you're basically asked to recall the images um, of what you want to focus on. So it actually helps connect you with your feelings, um, which is the main reason why I'm doing it. Um, also, there are parts of my trauma that I don't remember. Um, and that either can be my brain protecting me from that trauma. So your brain does have that response where uh, you tend to forget what happened, or it could be, yeah. Or it could be that I actually just don't remember it. Um, oh, wow. That's another um, thing, too. Uh, so, yeah. So it, this can help you with figuring out it. It won't help you to, like, visualize, you know, your trauma. But um, it works for a lot of different things. Uh, and um, helps you process, like, your self-thoughts, um, your body. So, again, like I said earlier, your body knows a lot more than what your brain um is processing so uh like you know you you might think you're okay right but you think your of a body holds the trauma and yeah and suddenly you feel a sharp pain in your hip that might mm -hmm. be a response so that's kind of what emdr therapy helps you to um figure out Wow, I like that. I think that's really, I think that's really helpful. I didn't even know that was a type of therapy. Um, yeah, that's and that's the thing about therapy, which I think is really cool, um, is to explore your options for therapy. Um, I didn't know this was um, available either until my therapist mentioned it and she wanted to try it on me. Uh, but there are so many different trauma treatments and, and therapy treatments. There's PTSD focus, um, there's drug and alcohol abuse focus, um, there's grief focus, there's um, anxiety focus, stress focus, school focus, um, therapy, and each therapist is, is trained in, uh, something specific. Um, so I, I have another therapist who 
is trained in um, couples therapy and like relationship abuse and relationship um, therapy. So I've gone to her to discuss negative thoughts and to discuss overall relationships and like, hey, I'm getting involved and this is like a healthy thing, but this seems so like weird to me. So mm -hmm. talking about that, you know? Um, right. Yeah. So that's the, the cool thing about therapy. Yeah. I like, that. I, like I think, um, I think people, you know, you have options, you know, we all, um, we all experience different types of trauma and abuse where we might need to go to therapy. We have many different types of therapists that we can go to, but I think people need to remember that, you know, it, you, you're going, th these people are very educated in what they do and can help you, but you need to like help them help you. <laughs> you have to do the work, like you said, um, and be honest and willing to make a change. You know, it's not just like, okay, I'm gonna talk to this person for an hour and a half and then that's it. See you next Wednesday. Like, no, you have to, you know, do your homework, you know, and try and um, they're going to suggest things and you have to like try and implement that in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's important to note. Um, what is your advice for people who are scared to speak up for themselves when they are dealing with anxiety, depression, or have experienced some type of trauma? Yeah. Um, I do say, know that it's okay. If you don't want to share, you don't have to share everything. Um, you can share what you want. It's your story. It's your life. It's your experience. Um, so if you want to share two sentences, you want to share two sentences. Um, to this day, I've disclosed to my parents, but my parents don't know every detail. Um, and the people that do know um, that I have disclosed to, not everyone knows everything. I, I'd laugh and I joke. If everyone came together, they could all put together the puzzle because everyone has little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and you but, did that um, intentionally. Yeah, I do that intentionally. I think mainly that's because that's just how I am. I don't talk about my business to people. Um, and I don't, I don't share things, right? Uh, that's just my nature. Uh, oh. And it's like when people try to figure me out through social media, they never can because I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's, I don't know, that's just how I like to live my life. But um, when I'm ready and when I'm comfortable, I, I did tell my parents, I would share with them. But at this time, I'm not ready and I'm not comfortable. And I need them to respect that. And they did. Um, and so, yeah, so I would say that is definitely one thing I just want to acknowledge. Like, it's okay if you don't share everything. Um, set your boundaries and acknowledge, you know, your ground rules, what works for you and what doesn't. And then my last piece of advice is, if you do want to speak up, it can seem very scary because it can seem like no one will understand, no one will listen, no one will believe you. Um, what I've learned in speaking up is that people understand, people listen, and people believe you. Um, and that's scary. It's very scary to be vulnerable. It's very scary to put yourself out there. But I, I don't regret putting myself out there because I've been surrounded with so much support and love. Um, and I've also connected with so many people that I never would have connected with before. That's um, so good. Having a strong support system. That's so good. Yeah, I think it's so important. And if you did grow up in, with a you know, family or friends that aren't supportive, again, you will You're find support elsewhere. You're not alone, right? You will find support through Instagram, through other social media channels, uh, a podcast like yours or or yours, Tay Talks. <laughs> you know, on YouTube and just hearing other people share their story, you know, if you're talking about depression, anxiety, there are a bunch of celebrities that have been so open with this. If you're talking about, you know, trauma from surgery, um, Selena Gomez talks about her surgery that she had. Um, and not even just celebrities, like just regular people, right? We'll talk about it. <laughs> it's not just, it's not a far away concept. It can happen to all of us, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, just knowing that you're not alone. Um, but yeah, don't be, it's easy to say, don't be scared. Cause I was scared too, but you got it. That's my advice. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. How do you, um, how do you take care of yourself? What does a tailored self-care routine look like? Um, so I take care of myself through yoga. Um, I, right now I'm focused on trauma yoga, um, because I do still hold a lot of trauma in my body, especially in my hips. So I try to practice yoga twice a week. Every Saturday, actually, um, I commit to practice. Like I have to practice yoga on Saturdays. Um, today is the only Saturday that I didn't because I had an event. 
at the same time, I usually do yoga with my cousin, but, um, Okay. Yeah, definitely through movement, um, going on walks have been very therapeutic for me, um, especially, uh, honestly, throughout all quarantine, I've been going on walks. Um, so exercise is really big. Um, I love, I've recently gotten into candles. Uh, so lighting oh, nice. and just sitting down, drinking tea, reading a book. Um, journaling is really great. Uh, uh, write it down. If you can't say it, I think you should write it down. Yeah, so I honestly actually, after my assault, I stopped journaling. I used to journal every day, um, but writing things out actually made me very sad. Um, so oh, I would okay. record myself while I was on my walk about my feelings. And that's actually kind of how the birth of my podcast came about because I would record um, on Snapchat and share like- Yes, oh, I remember, yes. yes talk about it and people would be like you need to like share this with everyone you need to put this on a podcast like what are you doing and I <laughs> no like, this is weird but I'm so glad I did and so yeah just if you can't write it out talk about it on your phone talk about it with yourself and if you can't talk about it write it on a piece of paper mm -hmm. um for me I like doing rituals I'm very into like the spiritual holistic wellness so uh I remember I, I did write a, a letter to my perpetrator um, over the summer, and I think it was right before the new moon or full moon, some type of thing happened over the summer, and I made a whole ritual out of it. I did a dance party, I um, lit a candle, I burned the letter, I ripped it up. Um, that helped? Yeah, it was a huge weight off my shoulder for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think what else like living my best life and yeah absolutely and self-care isn't just like face masks and all that which is all great like I if anyone knows <laughs> right in the morning is all about my skin I have to have my skincare routine is 10 steps I do all of them yes. and my hair <laughs> but that's what makes me feel good that's what makes me feel alive so if your routine doesn't look like mine or it doesn't look like your best friends like that's okay because it's your routine like do something that is good for you and I think that stick with it right um and make it consistent because you'll feel good you'll feel great in fact Take, taking care of yourself I feel like that's the whole mm -hmm. like message of this conversation that we have is and the message that I you know I don't want to speak for you but the message that you try to put out is yeah. taking care of yourself Absolutely. which can be going to therapy setting boundaries yeah, boundaries setting um what do you hope your podcast and overall brand Tay Talks does for people um, I hope with Tate Talks that it empowers others, um, specifically that it, it empowers and amplifies voices of color, um, but it really can empower anyone. Um, I hope that it becomes a, a resource hub for survivors, for victims, um, for people to connect. And I hope it comes a, a space where we can all just connect and learn and love and grow. Um, Tay Talks has allowed me to feel more confident in myself and to really, really get through this healing journey. Healing's not linear. Um, it's forced me to set boundaries and to set ground rules and to open up about things I probably wasn't you know, comfortable with opening up to before or scared to open up before. So I do hope that this space is a place where we can all connect, but a place that we can learn and grow from as well, right? So healing. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. And it is going to take time because um, I, I talk about this all the time. And I think this is my struggle with my own healing journey is that I want to be okay. I just want to be fine already. And the fact that I'm not okay frustrates me. And I get told by my therapist and by my friends, don't rush your healing process. Like it's going to happen naturally and it will. And I have to trust that, but it's definitely frustrating when you feel like you're making such good progress and yeah. then a trigger happens or, you know, if you're involved with someone new in terms of intimately, you might freeze, you might disassociate. Um, you know, if you're with your friends, I know for me, fall semester, I didn't want to hang out with anybody. Didn't want, there was four friends that I only wanted to hang out with. One of those friends was my best friend from since middle school who goes here. And the other three people were friends who are 
for my guy friends, my brothers. And I didn't want to hang out with anybody else. You wanted to keep your circle small and that's okay too. We don't that's need- the normal thing with healing too. Like you, sometimes you just need space for yourself. So yeah, my, that's my biggest thing. Healing's not linear. Don't beat yourself up if you feel like you're taking 10 steps back when you just made 10 steps, you know, moving forward. Right, I agree. Thank you, Taylor, so much for having uh, joining me on the podcast. This is so dope. I love what you're doing with Tate Talks and that, the whole brand. The mm-hmm. podcast, I feel like I've learned so much. Um, you can catch Tate Talks, um, the podcast Unapologetically Me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow Tate Talks on Instagram and Taylor herself at Taylor Madison with two Y's and two N's. Um, thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Happy Black History Month. Thank you.